Smith, welcome in. It is the latest edition of the Unnamed Soccer Podcast. The Unnamed Soccer Podcast brought to you by Three Punk Ales in Chula Vista. It is also brought to you by Sport Clips, where it is good to be a guy. It is a Tuesday morning, Darren. We are a few days removed from San Diego Loyal playing Phoenix. We are a few days removed from Bayern Munich playing Barca. Um, and we're a few hours from the semifinals of Champions League kicking off here. It's a busy, busy Tuesday in sports. Good morning to you. Yeah, that was a great rundown of the timeline. We also should let listeners know there's a chance you're going to hear some sort of weird sound in the background because while we're a couple of days away from SD Loyal, Phoenix Rising, and whatever that Champions League thing was that you just mentioned there, I'm kind of unaware of it. I, I don't know that we plan on talking about it. But uh, they're also testing fire alarms in my building today. So there is a chance that at some point we are going to be interrupted, rudely interrupted, by the sound of a fire alarm going off because they're testing it. There's nothing I can do about it. We will do our best to make sure that it doesn't interfere with your ability to enjoy and listen to this podcast. But just in case, uh, don't be alarmed, no pun intended. That's just uh, what's happening in the building today. So we'll do the best we can to uh, tiptoe around and avoid it and edit it. But just in case, there you go. Did they uh, at least, I mean, you're part of the HOA planning committee, as you discussed on the podcast not too long ago. Was this your idea to do the testing today or was this someone else's idea? Uh, no, I had no say in this whatsoever. Okay. So, okay. yeah, it's, uh, it has nothing to do uh, whatsoever with my, uh, it's a state city thing. I don't know, you got to test fire alarms. It's just part <laughs> of code. All I know is it's driving the radio show out of the wine cave. So we'll mm -hmm. be off someplace else risking life and health over in Pacific Beach this afternoon. But no, the HOA board has no say in such a thing. We're just told what to do. And in this case, it's get out of the house for the entire day. All right. Well, best of luck to you. And uh, we'll just you. ride with it. We'll ride with it. I think it, it brings something different to the podcast today. A, uh, an alarm in the background, potentially. So we can start in a couple different directions. Which direction are you most comfortable with? Um, well, it was a disappointing weekend. Friday really, really sucked. I mean, it really was a bad Friday watching Bayern Munich win 8-2. And you'd say, wow, 8-2. Someday somebody's going to look in the history books and go, wow, Bayern Munich beat Barcelona in the Champions League, aggregate 8-2, and then somebody's going to go, no, no, wait a second here. That wasn't over two legs. That wasn't a two-legged tie. That was actually one match that Bayern Munich won 8-2. So I'm still not over that. I got to be honest with you, especially now as you start seeing the repercussions and you start seeing and hearing and wondering what this squad is going to look like for the next couple of years, which has always been – one of the back burner subjects for FC Barcelona was what is like, what is life like in a post messy world? Fire alarm. It, it sounds like this probably. This is the post messy world. It's perfect timing. Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> Want me to just keep rolling with it? I think it fits the mood quite well. <laughs> Ride yeah. with it. This is, uh, this is actually our microphones, the Unnamed Soccer Pocket Podcast microphones inside of Camp Now. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just it's, uh, wait and see, see what happens. But uh, I do think that Saturday night, being there at Stone Brewing and Liberty Station, uh, I still, yeah, I, I've got a ton of thoughts on Phoenix Rising 2, SD Loyal nil, 107 degrees, 
second match being played in four days. Like, I, I still have a ton of thoughts on that, plus some of the news, I guess, that we could call it regarding Irvin Para. So, okay. Jordan, I'm prepared. I'm, I'm good to go in whatever direction it is you want to go in. I, I can talk a lot about these subjects today. I, I am uh, ready to roll. Okay, well, I'm actually quite disappointed that we're not getting a second leg for Bayern Munich Barcelona, if we're being quite honest. I want a second leg. I feel like it's a little bit of robbery that we don't get to see what would happen. I don't know if it would get worse. Maybe Barcelona would pull off an inspiring comeback. I don't know. But it seems to me like 8-2 to two isn't something, and the effect from what we've seen from 8-2, to two, um, it's pretty clear that this isn't something that has just been brewing this last season or a, a week ago or a month ago, like, for eight to two, and then the instant fallout, and now the rumors of Lionel Messi potentially leaving Barcelona, which is to me so difficult to even imagine. Like it's really hard for me to to picture Messi in a kit that isn't Barcelona or Argentina, like any other, whether it's in England, Italy, Germany. If he switches teams in Spain, like I, it's hard for me to even imagine it, let alone potentially see it next season. <laughs> um, but yeah, to me, it seems like it would have been, uh, this is a long time coming, right? Like this didn't just start a week ago. This is something that probably has been going on for a few years. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, let's see if I can find a quieter room. Nope, not that room. Um, yeah, no doubt. I mean, this is, uh, this is dating back several years ago where they lost 4-0 to PSG and then had to have that ridiculous comeback in Barcelona. This was three years ago losing 3-0 at Roma. This was last year. Anfield, what I fear will be Messi's real last opportunity to go ahead and win a Champions League trophy with FC Barcelona. Sort of to me, you know, what happened against Bayern Munich just confirmed what I and a lot of other Barca fans felt about losing at Anfield that way. Was, wow, maybe that was in the semifinal, you know, up three goals to none and heading away where having a final played in Spain, in Madrid, you know, that that was a a league winning club. That was a team that was just a couple of matches away, Jordan, from winning its third treble, which is ridiculous. And I I know a lot of Liverpool fans, including some of our friends, our mate, Nate, he always says, well, gosh, we feel like we broke Barca. Like, no, Barca was kind of broken anyway. But, uh, you know, that was legitimately, it feels like, that you know, we, you sort of worried that was the last great chance that Messi was going to have to win a Champions League in in that shirt, and I think the loss against Bayern Munich sort of confirmed that. Now, again, I, I sort of oscillate back and forth a little bit because I also look and go, well, you know, second in the league and quarterfinal, and you know, maybe you know, there's enough there with a couple of young players, and you can make a couple savvy signings, etc. But uh, obviously, I mean, it's just something that's busted there. He's Gerard PK afterwards essentially saying we've hit rock bottom. It doesn't get worse than this. It's not good enough. It hasn't been good enough. Uh, we need changes. And if the first change that needs to be made is with me, somebody who's been around a club for his entire life, who's got lineage inside of the club, you know, I thought that was really uh, quite the statement there from Gerard PK immediately following this beatdown against Byron. So, I don't know where it goes from here. I understand that there's a ton of schadenfreude that exists, but I think to your point, I think it's a story globally because of the future of Lionel Messi. You know, I'm sure that there's a lot of people, I get it. Like, you know, when you're a Chelsea supporter, when you're a Barcelona fan, like you just, you understand that people hate your club. 
And that's fine. And a lot of that comes because, you know, Barca just had this amazing decade where it really ran over a lot of different clubs, not only in Spain, but all across Europe. So I understand that people are, are going to take great delight in watching them fall flat on their faces. They should. Uh, they absolutely should. But now it's at an elevated level where we're talking about, well, what does this mean for Lionel Messi? And has he played his final match for this club, which I consider to be at this time a very credible storyline. Other years past, you sort of look, you roll your eyes, and you say, come on, man, he's not going anywhere. Just because he started liking Chelsea or liking Man City on Instagram, let's not be stupid. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Did he like Chelsea on Instagram? (laughs) I think a couple years ago he did. I thought I remember something along those lines. Maybe it was when Pedro went and signed with Chelsea. I thought there was something there. But, you know, it just it was not it, – it just – no, like it, it wasn't. But now that he's at the tail end and he's got another season left on his contract, a credible reporter in Spain has uh, put out there that, that he doesn't want to return. You know, you got to give it a little bit of time for everything to cool off, but it would not surprise me at all. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think you can even talk me into this being the best possible scenario, but it's a massive, massive story when a player – whether it's Cristiano or this player here, when there's an actual real reason to believe that they're going to switch clubs, like the whole world should stop and pay attention to a story like that. Yeah, that story separates itself from all the other stories with Barcelona right now. You guys have changed your manager. You change managers from time to time. That happens. I'm, I'm a Chelsea supporter. We, we change managers every year, basically. That's not a big deal. You, you mix up your sporting director with Barcelona – Eh, you get a new one. So what? You'll find someone else. Lionel right. Messi potentially leaving the club. That is something that is completely different. Eight to two in Champions League in a one-off. Clearly not great. Barca, I think, will eventually bounce back from that. But even an eight to two score uh, storyline is nothing compared to Lionel Messi potentially leaving the club. Like that is the biggest, biggest story that you could have in this sport. Even more so than I think like Cristiano Ronaldo leaving Madrid because we watched him play with United for so long and then he went to Madrid and then you were never really surprised that he was going to move on, go somewhere else. Lionel Messi was a guy that you thought would play his entire career and still potentially could um, with Barcelona. Like I said earlier, like I can't even imagine Lionel Messi in a different kit. I can picture Ronaldo in a different kit. I've seen him in three different kits for three different clubs and others. So the fact that Messi's potentially leaving, it just, it's so, it's such a major, major story. Like, if I were a Barca fan, I'd rather just, like, sacrifice Luis Suarez in the middle of the field than let Messi go, though, you know? Like, can you do anything else? That, can you do anything to keep Messi? I, I know it comes down to, like, if Messi wants to go, Messi wants to go, and you kind of have to go with it. Um, and I'm, I don't know if that's the case, clearly. Um, but, like, is there, I mean... It feels like if, if there's anything you could do to keep Messi, you do it. But like you said, maybe there is an argument to be made that in order for Barcelona to really move forward into their next era, it's got to be without Lionel. Yeah, I mean, as difficult as that is to say, I think it's, it's uh, a very legitimate and honest conversation because, you know, what you're going to do – I understand, right? There's a couple things happening here. You want to maximize – how to win and your ability to win while you have 33 year old Lionel Messi on your squad, who maybe isn't as good as he was, but he's still freaking amazing and better than just about everybody. But how much longer is that going to go? So, you know, do you want to bring in older players because you think 
that's what and more experienced players who aren't going to be intimidated per se like Pjanic right like they're bringing him in from Juventus thankfully William ended up going to Arsenal I mean just to make an old squad even older thank God, that didn't happen. But, you know, when you have players like Suarez, to your point, Pique, Alba, Busquets, right? Um, is that the kind of squad that you need to build because you have Lionel Messi? And plus, there's the financial aspect that Barca's got a new shirt that it's got to sell next year. Barca's got renovations in camp now. So, like, those things don't pay for themselves. And there's no bigger cash cow in football than Lionel Messi. And the idea that you're selling these amazing new black shirts next year, how knows how many messy shirts you were planning on selling. You know, that's going to be a much quicker seller than let's say a, a Ricky Puig shirt or a Frankie Diong shirt. So, you know, there's like so much more that goes into it. And it's such a complicated political mess of an issue because they have a board there and the board can't be voted out though. They did move up the elections to March of 2021 but what does that mean for next season where Messi plays under his final season for his contract? That's, that's sort of where this is. Like, can you move forward as a club as long as you have Lionel Messi? And Lionel Messi is dictating so many of the decisions that you're making as a club in terms of what your roster looks like, who your players are. So like if Messi sits and is like, hey, I'm miserable here, but you got to keep Luis Suarez. Well, I mean, what are you supposed to do with that? You know, Suarez can't move. I mean, he, I mean, listen, he's got a, a real knack for scoring some clutch goals. I, I love Luis Suarez. But what are you supposed to do if Messi says that? You know, I, I don't I, – what if you do if Messi says, listen, I can't play with Antoine Griezmann. I, I can't play with Philip Coutinho. Well, we've spent 160 on this guy and 140 on this guy. And, and like, you know, you sort of feel like that – Thing, you know that, that I don't want to listen to this manager you know I don't know how he feels about Ronald Koeman so like how are you supposed to move on as long as you have him there but the flip side is that the idea of not having him there must be frightening for the board and for the board's profitability of having this this ATM machine of a player on your squad yeah and if you're going to allow Messi to if you're going to sell him to Man City or whatever club potentially could sign Messi you would think that Barcelona would have someone ready to come in too. Like, is it something where, okay, like we, we realize Messi's on his way out. We better figure out a way to get Neymar back here. Like you, we need to figure out how to sell the jerseys we were expecting to sell. Um, like you said, a lot of finances coming with Lionel Messi. Yep. I don't know if he does leave what league he goes to, I think is a little bit of a question. Um, I think most reports that you would see, which I don't know are based on anything. Most reports you would see right now is that he, he would be destined for the premier league. If he, did leave Barcelona. And the obvious club is Chelsea for a lot of reasons. If he's going to go to England, if you ask me, Darren, I mean, Frank Lampard, Lionel Messi, they've had some amazing champions league moments. They, uh, Lampard called Messi the best player in the game. I mean, the recruiting process is on. I mean, it's clearly going to be Manchester city, but if he goes to England, I don't know. Like, I don't know what the actual outcome is going to be. Maybe it's a power play. Like, is this a negotiation? Like, is this with one year left on the deal? Is this a potential negotiation? Or is this just kind of waving the white flag for Lionel Messi and saying, you know what, let's not even bother with this final year. Let me go join Pep in Manchester and see what I can potentially win there, maybe get Champions League to City for the first time. Um, it's an amazing – like, it's a polarizing yeah. story in a crazy year. And Barcelona is not going to have a lot of time to replace Messi – 
in any kind of transfer window, you know, like it's obviously impossible to replace him, but you don't have a transfer window really to work with now at this point too. Like of all the times to potentially lose them like this, I don't think it makes it any easier that it happens potentially in 2020. No, I think you're right. And, uh, you know, I think it makes too much sense to just piece together Pep Guardiola at Manchester city and Messi. but you know, here's the flip side of it as well. You give this board, all of that money that might come with Lionel Messi, they'll probably just spend it on a bunch of players who can't play anyway. So, you know, it's not even going to make you feel better about it. And right now it feels like this is just a, a stage of purgatory for Barca that they probably have to, to just suffer through some sort of season next year until you can vote a new board in, bring in Xavi, and then let him start with younger players like Ansu Fati and, and Ricky Puj and some of these names who most people probably don't know. That's fine. But just some of their younger players, their teenagers, et cetera, that Barca was so quick to hire another manager and Ronald Koeman to me is just so interesting because I can't imagine that they sat around and got the blessing of Lionel Messi for that one. Right. So I, I you know, who knows if he's even returning their calls at this point. So uh, who knows what to expect? We know that Frankie de Jong who would have played, for Ronald Koeman, who's somewhat of a club legend, actually, uh, fire alarm. Uh, Ten trophies as a player, 90 goals in a Barca shirt, uh, has a bunch of penalty kicks, uh, second all-time on that list, direct kicks. So there's a lot with Koeman as a manager. He leaves a lot to be desired. But, I mean, is that enough? I mean, is that going to excite Lionel Messi? He's going to go, okay, well, you know, okay. I think that makes a lot of sense. Now, we got Ronald Koeman here. So, uh, therefore, yes, I feel much better about getting the shit kicked out of us four consecutive years away during Champions League and having these embarrassing exits. So, yeah, okay, all good. I'm ready. Let's go. Let's get back at it. 2020, 2021 is going to be our year. I, I, I don't see that because I don't really believe that. I think there's merit in, hire, in bringing this manager in to work with younger players, but I, I don't have any sense whatsoever how that's going to go over with the veteran players who are responsible for what we've seen here over the last couple of years. Um, the idea of Lionel Messi in, in a Manchester City jersey and playing at the Etihad and in the Premier League playing for Pep clearly doesn't excite me as a Chelsea supporter. Like, that's not going to – it's only going to make things extremely more challenging for Chelsea to accomplish anything domestically. Um, it's – I just don't love that fit at all. I mean, obviously the fit itself with Pep and Lionel, you can understand why City's the obvious connection and where he would go. But him playing for Manchester City after what they just went through with financial fair play and, like, he's expected just to automatically go there. Like, it's just – it just seems – I'd rather – it's easy for a Chelsea fan to say this, but I would rather see him actually work it out at Barcelona and try to – recapture the moments that he did have with the club and have eight to two not be his final match ever with Barcelona. Like the ending deserves to be so much better than what eight to two is. And him in Manchester with city to finish things off. And I don't know. It just doesn't sit well with me. Yeah. And it almost seems too obvious. I think that there's probably uh, it, we should pay more attention to the idea of Messi going to Italy, right. With inter, or uh, who knows, and, and you know, being back in the same leg, uh, league as, as Cristiano, I think uh, certainly you know, that, would, that would be, that'd be an amazing thing for Serie A. But mm -hmm. you know, to have these two guys in their mid-30s you know, going out there and doing all sorts of ridiculous things and scoring goals, et cetera. So you know, maybe 
just because I don't know enough about that league, right? Like that, that it seems just to make more sense. It's very convenient and it's a tidy storyline. Pep Guardiola, Lionel Messi, given their track record, given their history, here this poor player is. He hasn't been able to win a Champions League since way back in 2015. Oh my goodness, the horror. And then here it is on the flip side of Pep trying to get City over the hump and, and you know, the two of them mutually beneficial to one another. Sort of seems uh, rather obvious, but you know, I think there's probably something uh, happening in, in, you know, in Italy where you, know, you can afford a player like that, where it makes a little bit of sense, where you get to rekindle the rivalry with him and Cristiano. So, you know, again, I, I don't know. I, I think it's probably more likely that he stays if for no other reason than the board will be stubborn. And you can also see Messi just sort of saying, hey, you know, I'm out. Like, like he's a weird, emotional dude sometimes. We saw this with the national team where he retired at the Copa America Centenario, and then he ended up coming back. But, you know, he's got a you – know, who knows what he's capable of at this point. I, I think it's just – he hasn't spoken. They have shut it down. Journalists that are pretty tight with him have said they couldn't break through. They couldn't get in contact, which makes a lot of people nervous. So I don't know where the situation is headed, and I don't know what it's capable of, but it, it feels sort of big to me. It feels like like something dramatic comes from this, you know, which, again, I've resisted over the years, like every mm-hmm. other stupid rumor here about this player leaving, but it, it definitely it, it feels real this time. Yeah, it feels a little bit different this time. One club that is in the market potentially for a goal scorer and now with Lionel Messi available is San Diego Loyal, Darren. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So, I mean, Andrew Vasiliadis, are you, are you listening to the Unnamed Soccer podcast? Do you think that Lionel Messi would be a good fit for SD Loyal? We need a recruitment video. Uh, I'm sure something can be done. Recruit Messi to San Diego. I'll tweet, announce Messi to SD Loyal's Twitter account every single time they tweet until it happens, if that's what it takes to get Lionel Messi to San Diego. We'll take a goal score. Um, I watched the highlights there and when I got home Saturday night when we got back from Stone and watched the 2-0 match against Phoenix. And after watching the highlights again, I, I didn't feel terrible. I really didn't feel terrible. I, I saw several chances for SD Loyal again. Um, it's easy to latch on to the 295-minute the conversation without a goal. Uh, to me, that streak is kind of – I don't even – I saw San Diego Loyal score a goal in that match against Phoenix. So I don't even know how much I believe in that streak, that scoreless streak, because I actually saw him score. Um, I, I kind of felt okay after watching the highlights again. And maybe that's a dangerous game when you only watch a condensed version of it after watching the full 90. Um, but I, I really didn't feel terrible. I didn't think it was an awful week. As much as like poor nil aggregate for the week against Orange County and Phoenix may seem, um, not a devastating and potentially you can even find some inspiration from that week. Yeah, I don't disagree at all. Uh, I think, you know, not that I, I know we've, I've pro- have I done too much on power rankings? Again, they're just sort of a guide for us as we're becoming more and more familiar with this league. It's not, you know, this isn't uh, college football polls where all of a sudden it really, really matters, but you know, what is perceived to be two of the top five clubs in this league, I felt like against Orange County, SD Loyal was right there, a bit unlucky, against Phoenix Rising, what I would consider to be the class of the United Soccer League, with all due respect to Indy 11, 107 degrees, second match in a handful of days, you're short-handed, 
It's a billion degrees out there. The shirts were just sticking to everybody. Um, and they were fighting until the end. You know, they were really, really up for it and fighting until the end. I think it's some of the peripheral stuff that you look at, you know, when you see a club now that started the week on top of Group B, finds itself now in third place. When you look over their most recent form for five matches, one win in their last five. When you look at three straight shutouts, what was the numbers? What were how many minutes from their last goal? Like 295, somewhere in there. 290. So I think it's some of that. I mean, I think just like individual matchup, them head to head Orange County, them head to head Phoenix. I don't feel bad. I'm with you a thousand percent on that. It's just sort of the other stuff that you look at and you go, oh, okay. Well, this week started you know, top of the tip. Now it's third. This week started, uh, you know, in a little bit of better form. And now it's become a little bit of a thing over the previous five. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's a good squad. I really do. Uh, I really do think that. But I didn't think that this was like a damning week for SD Loyal in any stretch. No, not at all. They get two more opportunities against Phoenix. Um, who knows? Like they might pull off a win against Phoenix. They might get a draw or two against Phoenix before the end of the year. I think one of the storylines that we haven't talked about a lot that probably deserves more conversation includes Phoenix. And it's something that Nate Miller told us a couple episodes ago on the podcast when we had him on. And he said that Phoenix was added to this group the day before it became official. And so Phoenix, to me, that sounds like Phoenix was set up to be in a completely different group. I don't know what group it was going to be. But if you look at it, we have five teams in our, in our group. Not every group has that. Um, there's a lot of four teams out there. And then if, if originally, if the entire plan was for this to be Group B with Orange County, San Diego, Las Vegas, and Los Dos – you have a completely different outlook and perspective on San Diego's playoff chances. Four-team race, really, with what's happening with Vegas this year. It would be a three-team race for two spots. Orange County, you feel pretty good. So it's like down to you in L.A., and you're going to battle it out, and you're going to get a couple more matches against them, and who knows what's going to happen in your very first year. But the fact that Phoenix, like the best team in the league, not only just gets added to your group without taking another club away, they just get added, simply added. Um, it changed the dynamic of this group a lot. And I don't know if it changed expect expectations for San Diego loyal. They're still wanting to go out and learn as much as possible about the team that they have and how to move forward and everything. But it'd be impossible to say that Phoenix getting out of this group the night before it was announced, didn't dramatically change the setup. Yeah. Um, don't disagree at all. I mean, we had the, the, little stat for you there on the pre-match show from stone brewing that if you go to the website 538.com they have a, a global ranking of almost every single soccer club in the world right there's like 600 700 of them what have you and if you just look at however it is that they determine their metrics phoenix rising is better than like 19 mls clubs now whether that's actually true and phoenix can go into major league soccer and bounce all around there and compete have to go into lafc and portland and all these other places who knows but the point is, at least on an individual one-off, you know, they're pretty good. Like, they're really, really good. And uh, adding them into the group was definitely an eye-opener for me because long before we ever knew anything about group play, you and I looked at the complete schedule when it was first uh, released in the off-season for the very first time. And you and I both said, wow, Phoenix Rising. Okay. Really, really super excited about that. Excited about Sacramento. Excited about Las Vegas because of Eric Winalda. 
who was there at the time. Like that's what we sort of looked at and gravitated towards. So that you get him three times in a very compressed schedule, obviously was something to pay attention to. I also like it from this standpoint as well. Um, I think for those that watched on Saturday night, you had a chance to see a club that one day SD Loyal wants to be. And I know we said that a lot about Sacramento Republic because of the Warren Smith factor, but Phoenix is the very best, the, the class of the USL. And to think that you can build something like this, right. That, you know, statistically, not just based on, on, uh, you know, eyeball tests, but that you can build something that's like this. It's exciting. Uh, modular stadium, uh, Junior Flemings and uh, uh, Solomon Asante, right? Like you can add those kind of players. You can spend this kind of money. They've got celebrity ownership. What's the dude's name? There's a dude from Fallout Boy who's part of ownership there. Didier Drogba, Diplo, I don't know. They just, you can build something like this in this league. And I think that that to me was, hey, it's going to take a couple of years, but like Phoenix Rising, you know, aside from what this means, for SD Loyal's uh, playoff push, this is the sort of club that you, know, you, you end up being if you're committed to it, that you can do this sort of stuff, that you could be very relevant on your local scene, which I know Phoenix Rising is. My in-laws used to live there. I used to see them be like, wow, they're actually talking about Phoenix Rising on the local news. So, you know, it's actually somewhat inspirational that you can build this kind of club. And I think that that's uh, certainly the direction that SD Loyal finds itself facing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're definitely embracing the challenge. I think it was more of a reminder for me because going into 2020, obviously we had a very different, different expectation for this year than what's been playing out. But going into the year, I mean, top eight make the playoffs. Like you already have – we automatically would have put Phoenix and Orange County into the playoffs this year. And so the conversation, I guess, for me, I just don't want it to, to change my expectations, to change too much on the club based on something that they couldn't control, the format getting changed entirely. And it did not do San Diego any favors. So I guess for me, I'm just trying to temper my playoff hopes a little bit because everything changed because it's not just you need to qualify as top eight in the West and then anything can kind of happen like we've seen year in and year out with USL. I mean, you're in a group of five with Orange County and Phoenix, and you just see them over and over and over again. It's actually a pretty – it's actually not a bad little training – not a training camp, but, like, it's almost a boot camp in a way to really get you accelerated quickly in this league for a new club. I don't know. It's just it's – such, it's such a weird year, and things have changed, and now the news with Irvin Para and Phoenix getting added very last second. It's just been a strange, strange year. Absolutely. And again, it's not, uh, you know, it's not what any of us had thought we would be talking about here in the third week of August that you and I would be sitting here and talking about playoffs and who's going to be scoring and is this the right formation? And we thought we would be talking a lot about the product on the field and potentially whether or not they qualify to go to the Western Conference playoffs. But also we'd be talking about club culture and supporters groups and building an actual club in San Diego. Like that's a huge part of of what the Unnamed Soccer Podcast is all about. So for Mm -hmm. our involvement there with the pre-match and post-match shows, we thought we'd be talking a ton about that and doing the show from different parts of Torero Stadium and taking road trips and all that sort of stuff. Obviously that's not part of the equation. So, you know, from that standpoint, uh, we've had to change our own dynamic here. But, yeah, like, like I think that this has still been a very, very positive experience, no doubt about it. 
And I think someday down the road, Jordan, we're going to look at it as a blessing in disguise that, you know, even though it was a tougher road for SD Loyal, being in the same group as Phoenix, as Orange County is going to tell you exactly what you need to do if you're going to be in this league and if you're going to be competitive. Yeah. I mean, you're going to learn a lot more about yourself in Group B than Group A. I'll tell you that. So, Group I mean, A, which we'll see on Saturday night with Reno 1868. <laughs> yes. Yes, we will. Um, so, Saturday night, Torero Stadium. I mean, today's podcast would have been about you and I making an actual road trip to Phoenix and all the stories that would come back from our uh, adventures in Phoenix. That's what this podcast would have been today. Um, obviously, it's different. It's different. Yeah. Uh, I will say something else, though, because something is happening here, and I don't know how much I was aware of it uh, until last night, which would have been Monday night, right? This is Tuesday. Um, in that debuting for SD Loyal Saturday against Phoenix was Ashley Nazira. And I don't know, I don't know why he's listed as Steven Nazira on the USL website, but the USL website's another story for another show, maybe for uh, a different podcast altogether. But Ashley Nazira debuts, and he's a player who uh, brings a little bit of size. He brings some speed. I know people inside of the club are pretty excited about him seeing get, a, get an opportunity. He comes, Jordan, from a part of the world that isn't discussed very often, uh, Mauritius. Are you familiar with uh, Mauritius? Oh, I vacation there all the time. Okay. Well, then uh, you are far ahead of the game. You know, it's really, really interesting that Ashley Nazira is a pretty big story in his home country of Mauritius, mm-hmm. a country of, a, if I'm correct, Wikipedia is to be believed, 1.2 million people, hundreds of comments and shares of the SD Loyal Facebook page coming from Mauritius. I don't know. We used to do a tally of where people were listening to the Unnamed Soccer podcast, and we found out that people were listening in Mexico and people were listening in Australia and Spain and many other countries around the world. And uh, I wonder now if we're going to start picking up a following from uh, Mauritius because I can tell you, when you go to the SD Loyal Facebook page and you see some of their posts about Ashley Nazira, you see a lot of Mauritian flags. You see a lot of Mauritian commentary there. I was told that there are several thousand Mauritian Facebook fans on the official SD Loyal Facebook page. So uh, it's become quite a little thing, which you could only have in a sport like this, where you, know, you have a tiny island country and a player from that country ends up playing somewhere in the world. And all of a sudden now you become incredibly popular. I'm almost picturing somehow Jordan people in Mauritius wearing SD loyal stone brewing shirts. Like, yep. I don't think that that's unrealistic that that might be happening right now. Yeah. I think you're probably right. I'm actually um, the fact that we're recording from home and not a studio right now. Um, I can look at our numbers on our podcast, and I actually see several downloads from Mauritius. How about that? Really? They're on the board. Yes. <laughs> right between Malaysia and Panama on our list, ahead of Singapore, South Korea, and Austria. So how about that? How about that? Hello, Mauritius. We're glad Hello. to have you on board. We, I think, should take a road trip, and we should do our podcast from Mauritius at some point. I'm down. Let's do it. Absolutely in. Yeah, our top five, USA, Mexico, Germany, Australia, and the UK. That's how it stands right now, Darren. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> <to figure it out. laughs> 
<laughs> now I'm looking at it. Now I'm interested. I haven't looked at that in a while. <laughs> yeah, I was talking with somebody from the club. They said like of, of all the people who have become fans of the SD Loyal page, Facebook page, there's like well over somewhere between a thousand and two thousand of them are from Mauritius. So that's fantastic. I love that. Absolutely. And go Ashley Nazira because even him debuting and then posting that, if you look, there are hundreds of comments and there are hundreds of, of shares. You know, you can share whatever it is off Facebook. <laughs> Uh, it's been a long time for me. And, and that is, uh, I'm told, uh, in large part due to the big Mauritian audience that this club now has. That's awesome. I love it. Maybe we'll see him again uh, Saturday against Reno. I, I brought yeah. it up on the post-match show, show Saturday night. I, I wouldn't be shocked if we saw a little shakeup with the starting 11. We've, we've seen a lot of consistency, a lot of the – Similar approach with the starting 11. Maybe we see a little bit of a shakeup this weekend. Who knows? Absolutely. I mean, the Irvin Parra thing, I mean, we're still trying to gain information on that. Uh, that yeah. seemingly, I don't want to say it was the biggest surprise because we knew he was dealing with uh, injury to his right knee, but I don't know that, that uh, I thought surgery was on the way. But at least according to his own Twitter account, Irvin Parra will be missing quite a bit of time. So we'll see. I don't know what to expect if we see him again this season or not. We'll have to see what develops over the week, Jordan, and have a report for everybody coming up Saturday night from Toro Stadium at 6.30. Yeah, it's been not exactly what Urban Parra was wanting with his first year. He, I think he has the goal of the season for SD Loyal, um, which I guess is the goal of the club history. I think coming off the bench against um, Las Vegas, scoring against your f former club in the first ever home win for the club, I think that's the biggest goal of the season so far for SD Loyal. And he tweets out, um, new year, new knee. I don't know. He says five weeks out. Is that the timeline on him coming back? I have no idea what it means. Um, but he's just – he's been banged up all year. It's not exactly what he was hoping for this year, clearly. We've seen him in, with a head bandage. Um, we've seen him with the knee brace like you bring up. It's, it's been a rough, rough year for Para, and it sounds like he's going to miss some time there. But goal of the season for me so far, that goal against Vegas. I, you could argue the, the second in Tacoma, the winner there on the road, but I think Urban Para has the biggest goal in loyal history so far. Sure. Yeah, I mean, gave him their first home win, came against his yeah. former club, plus he was the post-match guest, plus he took the two bomber beers with him, which sort of started a tradition for us Perfect. with our post-match guests as well. So, yes, we will forever be indebted to Irvin Parra here, Jordan, as we get set to start the second half of the season. Hard to believe, huh? Saturday night becomes the first match, second half of the season. We're now through eight for SD Loyal. Yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy. It's almost done. Darren, I will see you Saturday night from Torero Stadium. We're going to go on 30 minutes before kickoff. Uh, ST Loyal's Facebook page. And uh, we'll Is it really that Stadium. Don't bring your alarm Saturday night to Torero Stadium. I've got Stadium. the headphones on, so I can't really tell. But, I mean, it doesn't uh, – I'm sorry, everybody. It sucks. I'm sorry, Mauritius. I'm sorry. It, this this okay. podcast is usually much more professional than this. But we, uh, we adore our new and our developing fan base in Mauritius. So thank you, guys.